0: To get this episode of Forensic Tales ad-free, check us out on Patreon. This episode of Forensic Tales is sponsored by Podcorn. When I first started looking for sponsors to feature on the show, it was really important to me that the brands I worked with were not only a good fit for me, but for my listeners. That's why I choose Podcorn to find sponsorships for Forensic Tales. Within just a couple short days, I found my first sponsorship, and since then, I found so many more. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host-read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. And because I'm a one-woman show, I need to be able to quickly and efficiently share with you trusted products and services. I just don't have the time to search the dark corners of the internet for trusted sponsors. With Podcorn, there is no middleman, which I love. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right there on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly. To learn more about what Podcorn can do for you and your podcast, Click the link in my show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing today. Forensic Tales discusses topics that some listeners may find disturbing. The contents of this episode may not be suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. On October 12, 2012, 28-year-old Ryan Poston, a successful attorney from Kentucky, was found dead, shot six times in his condo. He'd been shot to death by his girlfriend, Shayna Hubers. But according to Shayna, she wasn't some sort of cold-blooded killer. She said she shot him out of self-defense. It was either kill or be killed. After a bizarre police interrogation, Shayna was arrested and charged with Ryan's murder. At trial, it came down to whether you believed the prosecution's star forensic expert or the defenses. It became a story known as the nose job murder, a Jody Arias copycat, a murder that would be forever talked about. This is Forensic Tales, episode number 61 Shayna Hubers and the Murder of Ryan Poston. <laughs> to Forensic Tales. I'm your host, Courtney Fretwell. Forensic Tales is a weekly true crime podcast that covers real, bone-chilling true crime stories with a forensic science twist. Some of the cases have been solved by a little help of forensic science, while others have turned cold. The stories we cover each week send a chilling reminder That not all stories have happy endings. If you're interested in supporting the show and getting early access to weekly episodes, bonus material, ad-free episodes, merchandise, and so much more, consider visiting our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Forensic Tales. Before we get to the episode, I want to give a huge shout out and thank you to this week's newest patrons of the show, tolly Lindsay t rachel w and crystal s thank you so so much you guys another great way you can help support forensic tales is by leaving us a positive rating with a review now let's jump right into this week's story hi guys welcome to the first episode of the month and episode number 61 of forensic tales Before we get into the case, I just wanted to apologize for the slight delay you had in downloading and listening to last week's episode. The hosting company that houses our episodes was hacked over the weekend, which caused some delays in downloading and even for a short period of time caused all of our episodes to be unavailable. But good news Everything seems to be cleared up and we're back up and running, so all episodes are available for download. So be sure, if you haven't listened to last week's episode on the Lululemon murder, go ahead and check it out. So this week on the show, we're talking about the case of Shana Hubers and the death of Ryan Poston. This is a really interesting case for a couple reasons. Number one, the case has so many similarities to the Jody Arias case, and you've likely never even heard about it. Number two, it's a case where the question isn't really a done it." It's more about deciding for yourself whether Ryan was killed in self-defense or if he was murdered in cold blood. And the answer to that question can be completely answered by forensics. Well, according to which expert you believe that is. It's a Friday night in October 2012, Friday, October 12th, when police in Kentucky received a 911 call. The caller on the other end of the line dropped a bombshell. The female caller told 911 that her boyfriend had been shot and she was the shooter. Two police officers from Highland Heights, Kentucky, were the first to respond to the condo where the caller said the shooting took place. Highland Heights, Kentucky is a small town, low levels of crime, a murder rate that was practically non-existent. So to respond to a call like this was something these two police officers had never experienced before in their careers. As the two officers arrived at the condo, The 911 operator instructed the caller to stay on the line with her, to leave the gun inside of the condo, and to meet the officers outside with her hands up. The first thing they needed to do was look after the officer's safety. At this point, they don't have any real information about what really happened. All they know is that someone's been shot and the shooter is on the line. So when the officers got to the condo, they're completely taken by surprise. They arrived not really knowing what to expect. They know the caller and shooter is female. But right there in front of them, they see a young, maybe 20-something, pretty brown-haired girl. Definitely not someone who looked like some sort of killer. The caller and shooter was identified as 21-year-old Shayna Hubers. And right away, she wasn't shy to tell police officers that she was the victim's girlfriend. Once Shayna was identified, she was placed in handcuffs, put in the back of one of the patrol cars, and was taken to the Highland Heights Police Station. Back at the condo, officers needed to not only secure the scene, but find out exactly who the victim was. Inside the condo, they found 29-year-old Ryan Poston, shot and dead in his very own home. He'd been shot six times, twice to the head, twice in the chest, once to his side, and once in the back. The place was a complete bachelor pad. How you'd expect a single 20-something-year-old guy living was exactly what this condo looked like. It had just the bare minimum in furniture, not really well decorated, the kind of place a 29 year old guy would live in. Before Ryan Poston was found shot dead in his Kentucky condo, shot six times, he was a person who many would describe as a poster boy. Born in Fort Mitchell, Kentucky on December 30th, 1982 it seemed like he was doing everything right in life. He was the oldest of three younger sisters who adored him. He was an honor student in high school, triple majored in history, geography, and political science in college, and then later on graduated from law school at Northern Kentucky University. Although his parents divorced when he was just a kid, his family remained extremely close-knit. To give you an idea of just how close Ryan was to his family, after his mom remarried to a man by the name of Peter Carter, Ryan decided that he would legally change his middle name to Carter. He wanted to show just how much both his dad as well as his stepfather meant to him. And by 29 years old, he was a successful lawyer who just opened up his own law firm And the only thing he loved more than law was politics. His mom used to joke with him that she'd be the one to run his first political campaign for free, of course. And he was also the type of guy who was blessed with the good looks that could match his success. And with good looks comes girls. Lots of girls. He had many girlfriends over the years. It wasn't hard for him to find a date on a Friday or Saturday night. But it wasn't just girls who were drawn to Ryan. The guys were as well. Besides girlfriends, he had a ton of friends. He was the kind of guy you'd meet and just instantly feel a connection with. He was the type of guy you'd meet and would instantly start some sort of debate with you. Before his death, Ryan had a love for guns, and someone that he shared his love for guns with was his recent ex-girlfriend of two years, a girl by the name of Lauren Worley. His ex-girlfriend Lauren remembered how Ryan loved guns. He thought it made society safer. And during the course of their two-year relationship, he made sure she knew how to shoot a gun and could defend herself. She also remembers how he always carried a gun on him, whether he had one in his boot or in his holster. He was just a gun kind of guy. After Ryan and Lauren broke up after almost two years together, he started that rebound stage like we all do after a relationship, and he started dating other girls. By this point, he's incredibly good-looking In his 20s, a successful lawyer with goals of starting a career in politics someday. He was what many of us would probably describe as a perfect catch. 2011 is when Ryan met one of these rebound girls. In 2011, Ryan, who was 28 years old at the time, met 19-year-old Shayna Hubers. Ryan was actually introduced to Shayna through his step cousin. His cousin went to college with Shayna at the University of Kentucky, and she thought Shayna could be a good match for Ryan, who just ended a two year relationship. So after adding each other on Facebook and being introduced by Ryan's cousin, they quickly hit it off and started dating. They both had an almost instant attraction to one another. Shana was also incredibly pretty, was just finishing up her degree in psychology at the University of Kentucky, and was pursuing a master's degree in school counseling. It wasn't just good looks they had in common, of course. Just like Ryan, Shana did extremely well in school. She graduated at the top of her class, and by 2012 was starting her master's program. She was the kind of person who wanted to be good at everything she did. All of these are qualities that could absolutely attract a 28-year-old successful lawyer. Even though things between Ryan and Shayna started to take off in the beginning, they were smitten with one another. Their instant romance didn't seem to last long. Throughout 2011 into 2012, Ryan and Shayna had what many described as a volatile relationship. They seemed to be on and off, and to be honest, probably more off than on. And during their 18 months together, Ryan's friends were concerned that Shayna was with him, trying to get his attention for all of the wrong reasons. Shana grew up in what many would describe as a middle to lower class family. Ryan, on the other hand, grew up in Lexington on a nice ranch. They had horses. They had a lot of nice things. His family had a lot more money than Shana ever did. So many people who were close to Ryan thought that she was after the money and it seemed like Ryan may have also thought this because when friends and family would ask him about Shayna and their relationship, he never once would call her his girlfriend. When people talked to him about Shayna, it seemed to kind of annoy him. The whole situation was kind of annoying to him that she seemed to want this committed relationship with him but that it just wasn't something that he saw in her. And this sort of became an issue because he didn't really have the heart to tell her that. There was also a pretty big age difference between them. Ryan was close to turning 30 years old. He was a successful lawyer who had actually just opened up his own law firm. And Sheena was a little more immature. She was younger and likely kind of starstruck to be dating someone like Ryan. So, if you think about the 18 months or so they were seeing each other, you've got Ryan who won't really call Shayna his girlfriend. He expresses to friends he wants to cut her off, but doesn't really have the heart to break up with her. Then you've got Shayna a girl who definitely acts far more immature than Ryan. She's starstruck by an older guy like him, a lawyer even. And it seems like right from the get-go, she's become obsessed with him. She wants to become the center of his universe. As Shayna became more and more possessive over Ryan, he became more and more concerned about their relationship. In a text between him and one of his cousins, he said that his relationship with her was getting to be, quote, restraining order status, even mentioning to his cousin that she's shown up to his condo unannounced and basically wouldn't leave on at least three separate occasions. Now, just as Ryan complained about how possessive and crazy Shayna was, Shayna had her own sets of complaints to her friends. She was telling people that Ryan was abusing her, that he was constantly telling her she wasn't pretty enough, and on even several occasions told her that she needed to go out and get a boob job. But when friends asked her, why wouldn't she leave if he was so abusive towards her? I mean, what boyfriend tells their girlfriend she needs to go out and get a boob job? Well, she would just say that she loved him, that he was everything to her. By October 2012, Ryan was pretty much done with Shayna, And he was hoping that by the weekend of October 12th, 2012, that she would finally get the hint that things were over once he told her that he wasn't going to see her that weekend. But what he didn't tell her was that that same weekend, he had a date with someone. And not just anyone. He had a date with 2012 Miss Ohio, Audrey Bolt. But... Ryan would never show up to his date with Miss Ohio. That's because he'd be murdered just minutes before his date was supposed to start. With so much chaos happening in the world today, it's important for me to find the time to work on my own happiness. That's why I subscribe and listen to the podcast, The Happiness Question. The Happiness Question is a podcast that helps me find hope, happiness, and inspiration in the world around me. Even during the difficult times that we're in, the Happiness Question podcast helps me find happiness around me, even when it seems impossible. To get your weekly source of hope and inspiration, subscribe and listen to the podcast, The Happiness Question. The Happiness Question is available on Spotify. Apple Podcast, Stitcher, CastBox, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also check them out at thehappinessquestion.com. On Friday, October 12th, former Miss Ohio, Audrey Bolt, waited at the Milford Inn bar for her date, Ryan Poston, to show up. The two of them, who also met on Facebook, made plans to have some drinks together that night. They had a date. But when Audrey showed up to the bar that night, she was surprised to see that Ryan hadn't shown up yet. She decided to go to the bar and get a drink and wait around a little bit. They had just texted each other throughout the day. He told her that he was going to be there. So at first, when Ryan wasn't there... She's thinking, okay, maybe he's running a little late and he'll be here any minute. But once 10.30 comes around and Ryan still hasn't shown up to their date, she's now convinced that he stood her up. So she decided to call it a night and to go home. Little did she know that just a few miles away from the bar, that's where Shayna made the 911 call to police that she shot her boyfriend, that she shot Ryan. He didn't show up to his date because he was dead. When Shayna was taken to the police station on the night of the shooting, she had absolutely no problem talking with investigators. Even after they read her Miranda rights. The rights that remind her of the right to remain silent, to wait until she has an attorney present before talking to investigators. Well, she completely gave up every single one of them. And it wasn't just that she gave up these rights. She couldn't wait to start talking. She talked so much that the entire three hours that she sat down with police They didn't even ask her a single question about what happened earlier that night. When Shayna sat down with police, this is when things just get bizarre. I think if you have to choose to watch only one police interrogation video in your entire life, this one with Shayna Hubers should be it. If you want to watch it and see what I'm talking about, I'll post some links to our website, but if you've seen any show, like 2020 or um, Snapped, who's covered this story before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I think this interview with Shayna is the only one out there that even tops the bizarre interview police had with Jody Arias. And of course, we all remember the Jodi Arias police interrogation video where she did handstands in between interviews and while officers were coming in and out of the room. Well, Shayna didn't exactly do handstands during her interview, but she did sing and dance while singing the entire song of Amazing Grace, which is probably the most inappropriate song you can sing after being interviewed by police for shooting and killing a guy you call your boyfriend. And if it wasn't so creepy and just such bad timing, she's actually a really, really good singer. She has some talent. It's just terrible timing to show those talents off. So for the almost three hours police interviewed Shayna, well, it wasn't even really an interview. It was just Shayna talking the entire time. She described what happened that night. She said she went over to Ryan's condo in order to pick up her stuff. And that's when they started arguing. She said Ryan became violent, as he's done in the past, and threw her against a wall. According to Shayna, that's when she fell to the ground and saw that Ryan was reaching for the gun that was on the kitchen table. Thinking he was grabbing the gun to shoot her, she was able to grab the gun just a second before him. And that's when she fired the first shot while lying on the floor. She then described the moment after she shot Ryan. She said he was still alive, and he started twitching. She knew he was going to die, and he was in a lot of pain. And because she didn't want him to suffer any longer, she grabbed the gun and shot him two more times. But he still didn't die. He was still twitching, still moaning. So that's when she shot Ryan in the head for the second time. In her own words, she knew she probably should have left things there, but she didn't. She didn't want him to suffer. During the interview, Shayna made some comments about how ironic she thought that Ryan's obsession with guns is what got him killed. I think she even made a remark saying how Democrat she is, and she wouldn't have even shot a gun if it weren't for Ryan. Now, one of the moments in the interview that I know I'll never forget, and if you've watched this tape, you'll probably never forget either, is that she said, and I'll quote, she said, I knew Ryan was going to die or have a completely deformed face. He's very vain and wants to get a nose job, just that kind of person. And I shot him right here. I gave him the nose job he always wanted. The only thing better than true crime is true crime with a side of wine. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about the weekly true crime podcast, Upper Left Corner, PNW True Crime. Hosted by Emily, this show tackles a new case each week. Emily begins each episode by telling the history of the city in which the case takes place, which is something so unique. And what I love most about Upper Left Corner PNW True Crime is at the end of each episode, Emily shares a local wine recommendation. So, if you're looking for a new True Crime podcast to binge, I highly recommend you subscribe and listen to the Upper Left Corner. PNW True Crime Podcast. Upper Left Corner PNW True Crime is available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's Upper Left Corner PNW True Crime. Subscribe and listen today. After telling officers that she gave Ryan the nose job he always wanted, She also said that she didn't know if any guy was going to want to date her after they found out that she's shot and killed a boyfriend in self-defense. One of the last statements Shana made was that Ryan used to say to her, like, you're just a hillbilly from Kentucky. And when police asked her about how those comments would make her feel, she said, yeah, I guess I am. I let the hillbilly come out of me. I shot and killed him. I think a lot of people thought after watching these tapes that this was going to be a really damning piece of evidence against Shayna and against her claim of self defense. But I happen to think the exact opposite here. I think her behavior is so bizarre. Her comments are so inappropriate and completely misguided. I mean, She said she shot him in the face in order to give him the nose job he always wanted. I mean, that's just not normal. So I think this tape actually is going to work in her defense, especially if her lawyers are going to decide to maybe use some sort of mental illness defense or maybe some sort of temporary insanity defense, like maybe she was in some sort of manic state at the time. So Once this incredibly bizarre police interview came to an end after about three hours, they had more than enough evidence to arrest and charge Shayna with Ryan's murder. I don't think anyone was believing this self-defense claim. Even though she spent all of this time telling them about this history of abuse she had with Ryan, nothing about her story seemed to make much sense. She's telling police that she's been abused for months, that on this particular night, she said he shoved her against a wall, but she didn't walk into the police station with any real substantial injuries like you'd probably expect to see. And also, she shot Ryan six times. By her own admission, she knew she could have stopped. She said she didn't want to because she either didn't want him to suffer or she didn't want him to have a, quote, deformed face. And it gets worse. She also waited over 10 minutes after she fired the sixth shot before calling for help. So none of this seemed to really add up to a self-defense or any type of justified type murder. When investigators came back into the room To let her know that she was under arrest for murder, she surprised them yet again with her response. She asks, what degree? To which the police officer says, murder. There is no degree. After murder charges were filed against Shayna, she was held in jail on a $5 million bond, an amount she wasn't able to afford. So she was going to sit in jail while awaiting trial. And while prosecutors and her defense team prepped to go to trial, that's when everyone started to see exactly what kind of relationship Ryan and Shayna had. We learned that she would text him, sometimes 50 to 100 times a day, constantly checking in on him, asking what he's doing, when can she come see him. She really started to wear him down, until he got to the point where he would just say, okay, Shayna, and stick to the easier thing to do, which was to just keep her around. Back in February 2012, so eight months before his death, Ryan texted Shayna saying, You can tell people you broke up with me, to which she replied, I love you dearly, more than you deserve. In March, Seven months before, Ryan pleaded with Shayna to stop texting him. Again in April, he told her that he didn't have the patience to deal with her anymore. After that, they seemed to sort of get back together over the summer. But then again in August, Ryan was texting Shayna that he was putting a padlock on the door to his place so that she couldn't come over anymore. And that's when she texted him back. 100 times. We also learned that on the night of Ryan's death, how he had that date planned with Audrey, Miss Ohio. In fact, one of Ryan's buddies even told him like, hey, I'm worried about you. You know what Shayna will do if she finds out that you're going on a date with someone else. To which Ryan kind of seemed to shrug it off and say that he's got everything under control. He's dealt with Shayna for over a year by this point. He knows how to handle her, that this was just another one of her dramatic moments. The more we learned about Ryan and Shayna's relationship together, the more it made her self-defense claim less and less likely. But regardless, she maintained her innocence. She maintained that she shot and killed Ryan entirely out of self-defense. It was either he was going to grab the gun first or she was. Two and a half years after Ryan's death, Shayna's case finally made it to trial on April thirteenth, two 2015. The trial is really where either the prosecution would be able to prove that she shot him because she realized their relationship was finally over and that very night he was going on a date with someone else, or the defense was going to prove that she shot him and killed him out of self-defense that Ryan physically attacked her that night and had no other option but to shoot him and defend herself. They were both going for the gun at the exact same time. So it comes down to this. Is this a case of a scorned lover, a scorned girlfriend or not? Well, here's the forensic evidence that was presented at trial and you can be the judge of that. The biggest piece of forensic evidence we have is the firearm evidence, the gun, the murder weapon itself. In crimes where firearms are used, we can piece together almost the entire crime just from the firearm evidence alone. We can study what kind of firearm was used. We can perform tests like gunshot residue tests to determine if someone fired a gun or not. We can study the bullets. And the unique marks left behind on those bullets to determine if the same gun was used in one crime and then again in another crime. And in the case of Ryan's death, we had the gun, we had the murder weapon, and we also had his body, which could help tell us the different angles to which he was shot from. So when it came time for the prosecution to put their forensic expert on the stand to testify, their expert testified that he believed that the first shot was to Ryan's head, something that totally contradicts Shayna's story that she shot him in the head to end his suffering. The reason this expert believed Ryan was first shot in the head was because there was no blood found on the front of his shirt. If he was in an upright position when he was shot, like Shana said, well, then the laws of gravity say that the blood would have fallen down towards the front of his shirt, down to the bottom, and then down to his pants. But this expert claimed that based on where they found the blood on Ryan, he would have been sitting and would have never stood up after being shot in the head the first time. Again, explaining why there was no blood found on the front of his shirt. This expert said that when she shot him in the forehead, his head would have then gone on the table. This would have then exposed the upper portion of his right back, where he believed was the location of the second shot. At this point, Ryan's right arm would have been dangling off the table, which opened up the location of the third shot, which was right underneath his arm. After three shots is when Ryan's body starts to fall off the chair and ultimately lands on the floor. Then while lying on the floor is where the prosecution says Shayna finished him off firing three more shots into him. From the beginning, if what the prosecution expert is saying is true, Ryan was first shot in the head while sitting down at the kitchen table. This completely contradicts Shana's story that after Ryan pushed her into the wall and then he reached for the gun, they're saying that can't be true because he was seated at the table when he was shot someone sitting down at a kitchen table being shot in the head isn't someone who's threatening shana to the point where she feels the need to defend herself at that point he would have been completely helpless defenseless certainly not the aggressor or some sort of life or death attack here next The prosecution's expert argued that Shana's story about laying on the floor as she shot Ryan was impossible and couldn't be true. That's because the bullet's trajectory told a different story. The trajectory was in a downward angle, not an upward angle, meaning the bullet was fired from the gun while it was facing down which would have made it impossible for Shayna to fire the gun towards Ryan while lying on the floor, like she said. In that case, the trajectory would have been in an upward angle. Now, the defense offered up a much different explanation. The defense had their own forensic expert testify that believed the firearm evidence told a completely different story than what the prosecution offered. The defense had one simple question to the prosecution that supported their self defense claim. And that question was if Ryan was sitting down, as their expert testified, how could he have been shot in the back? Ryan was shot six times twice in the head, twice in the chest, once to the side, and once to his back. According to the defense, This shot in the back proves self-defense, that he couldn't have been seated on the chair when he was shot. Otherwise, there would have been a hole through the chair. So this leaves the possibility that Ryan was maybe in another position when he was shot rather than seated at the table. Now, This isn't the strongest piece of evidence to suggest self-defense, right? I think we can both agree on that. But it's entirely possible that after Ryan was shot in the head, while seated, as offered by the prosecution, that he then fell forward on the table exposing his back to be shot. That makes sense. But the thing about the defense's expert witness testimony here. Saying being shot in the back here actually proves self-defense is that they don't have to prove if Ryan was seated or not when he was shot. The defense just has to raise enough reasonable doubt to suggest that what the prosecution is saying can't be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. That they have a forensic expert witness who can testify that it's possible Ryan wasn't seated at the table when he was shot. He could have been in any other position, a position that places him as the aggressor. So for the jury, it comes down to this. Was Ryan seated when he was shot? Because if he's seated, then, well, that's not someone in a position who's making a physical attack on someone. But if he's not seated and he's shot while in any other position, possibly a standing position, well, then the defense can argue at the time he was shot, Ryan was the aggressor. He was up out of the table and on the attack. Of course, Besides the firearm evidence, the jury heard all about Ryan and Shayna's relationship from family and friends who testified. They also had the digital forensic evidence that revealed from February until October when Ryan was killed, they exchanged over 50,000 text messages, over 20,000 Facebook exchanges, and they had even sent over a 1,000 photos between them. They clearly had a very intense relationship. But when it came down to self-defense, no one in Ryan's life could remember a time when he was violent. He had no prior history of being in abusive relationships, getting into fights. He didn't have any of that. Or at least not that his friends and family could testify to. In fact, the biggest problem he had in his life at the time of his death, besides his relationship with Shayna, of course, was that he was also involved in a lawsuit with his former law firm partner, but that was it. According to the prosecution, what likely happened that night was that Shayna went to Ryan's condo. He either tried to break up with her like he had tried many times before, or he told her about the date he had that night, or maybe it was both. Either way, Shayna then said, enough is enough. If I can't have you, then no one can have you. She grabbed one of Ryan's many guns that he owned and used his own gun to shoot and kill him. According to the prosecution, this was no case of self-defense, and that's supported by the forensic evidence that he was sitting down when he was shot and that the first shot was to his forehead Shayna shot him in the head point-blank. In the end, it seemed like the jury believed the prosecution's expert forensic witness over the defenses. That's because, after just five hours of deliberation, the jury came back with a guilty verdict. They found Shayna, who was now 24 years old, guilty of murdering Ryan. They didn't buy into the defense's argument of self-defense. After the jury came back with a guilty verdict, they recommended a sentence of 40 years, which is relatively low in a murder case like this. I think certainly age and gender played a factor with the jury. We've discussed gender a lot on the show and the disparity between male and female sentencing, even for the same crimes. So I think in Shayna's case, the jury was willing to convict her, but a 40-year sentence for shooting someone six times well, was a little lenient. I think if Shayna was a male and older, she'd be looking at a life sentence, no question about it. So immediately following her 40-year sentence, Shayna appealed her conviction and asked the court for a new trial. It turns out that one of the jurors in the first trial was a convicted felon, and this information hadn't been disclosed in court. Under Kentucky law, as in many other states, convicted felons are prohibited to serve on a jury in a criminal trial. So under this law, Shayna was actually granted her appeal, and she was granted a second trial. But in August 2008, at the start of her second trial, just like the first time, Shayna didn't get the verdict she was hoping for. And for a second time, she was found guilty. This time, though, her sentence was a little different. Instead of being sentenced to 40 years in prison like she'd been sentenced in the first trial, this time she received a sentence of life in prison with the possibility of parole. In Kentucky, where she's currently serving her sentence, she's required to serve at least 17 years of her sentence before she'll even be eligible for parole, which would be in the year 2032. So maybe asking for a second trial wasn't such a good idea after all. Many people have wondered, why didn't Shana's attorney try a mental illness defense or a temporary insanity defense? Everyone saw how manic and bizarre her behavior was during the police interrogation. Well, her attorney didn't believe that this type of defense would fly. Shayna, it turns out, had an IQ of a genius, and she had no history of mental illness. So at the time, they believed that their best shot was going to be a claim of self-defense. The story of Shayna Hubers and the murder of Ryan Poston became national news. It was a story where Shayna reminded us so much of Jody Arias. Both Jody and Shayna were pictured as scorned lovers, as these women who just couldn't let go of their relationships. They became these figures that represented if I can't have them, nobody can. Both Jody Arias and Shayna Hubers perpetrated their murders with extreme violence. Shayna shot Ryan six times, and Jody stabbed Travis Alexander almost 30 times before shooting him in the head. Both of the men in Jody and Shayna's lives were trying to escape them, trying to break up with them. They were even seeing other women. But neither Jody or Shayna could let them go. We watched as Jody did handstands during their interrogation with police. Then we watched Shana put on a performance of Amazing Grace. It seemed like Shayna saw something in someone like Jody Arias. To share your thoughts on Shayna Huber's and the murder of Ryan Poston, be sure to follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at Forensic Tales. Let me know if you believe Shana's self-defense claim and which forensic expert you believe about the firearm evidence. Also, to check out photos from the case, be sure to head over to our website, ForensicTales.com. After each episode, I also put up photos from the crime scene, photos of the victims, photos of the perpetrator, And for this week's case, I'll also be posting links so you can watch the entire police interrogation video. Don't forget to subscribe to Forensic Tales so you don't miss an episode. We release a new episode every Monday. If you love the show, consider leaving us a positive review or tell friends and family about us. You can also help support the show through Patreon. All right, you guys, thank you so, so much for joining me this week. Please join me next Monday. Until then, remember, not all stories have happy endings. Forensic Tales is a Rockefeller audio production. The show is written and produced by me, Courtney Fretwell. For a small monthly contribution, you can gain access to bonus content and be one of the first to listen to new episodes. Or simply want to support my show, head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Forensic Tales. You can also help support the show by leaving us a positive review and telling friends and family about us. Forensic Tales is a podcast made possible by our Patreon producers, Tony A, Nicole L, William R, David B, Katrina G, Sammy, Paula G., and Selena C. If you'd like to become a producer of the show, head over to our Patreon page or email me at Courtney at ForensicTales.com to find out how you can become involved. For a complete list of sources used in this episode, please visit ForensicTales.com. Please join me next week. We release a new episode every Monday. Until then, remember, not all stories have happy endings.